Section two of the Murder of Delicia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Angelique Campbell, February two thousand nineteen. The Murder of Delicia by Marie Corelli. Chapter one, part two. So on and in such wise, the jumble of humanity which is called society gabbled sniggered and sneered nevertheless despite dismal head-shakings and dreary forebodings poor dear carleon carried out his intention and married delicia in the presence of one of the most brilliant assemblages of notabilities ever assembled at a wedding the marriage of a guards officer is always a pretty sight but when the fame of delicia was added to the fame of the regiment it was no wonder the affair created a sensation and a flutter in the world of fashionable news and ladies pictorials delicia astounded and irritated several members of her own sex by the extreme simplicity of her dress on the occasion she always managed somehow quite unintentionally to astonish and irritate her sweet sisters in womanhood who forced to admit her intellectual superiority to themselves loved her accordingly thus her very wedding garment was an affront to them being only a classic gown of softly draped white silk crepe de chine without any adornment of either lace or flowers then her bridal veil was a vexatious thing because it was so unusually becoming it was made of white chiffon and draped her like a moonlit mist from head to foot a slender chaplet of real orange blossoms being worn with it and that was all no jewels no bouquet she only carried a small ivory prayer-book with a plain gold cross mounted on the cover she looked the very picture of a greek festal virgin but in the eyes of the fashion-plate makers there was a deplorable lack of millinery about her what would god think of it could anything be more irreverent than for a woman of position and fortune to take her marriage vows before the altar of the most high without wearing either a court train or diamonds and the bridesmaids made no great show they were only little girls none of them over ten years of age there were eight of these little damsels clad in blush pink like human roses and very sweet they looked following the lissom white-veiled form of delicia as she moved with her own peculiarly graceful step and ethereal air between the admiring rows of the selected men of her husband's regiment who lined either side of the chancel in honour of the occasion the ceremony was brief but those who were present somehow felt it to be singularly impressive there was a faint suggestion of incongruity in the bridegroom's eloquently pronounced declaration with all my worldly goods i thee endow which provoked one of his brother officers to profanely whisper in the ear of a friend by jove i don't think he's got anything to give her but his hair-brushes they were a present but most of his other things are on tick this young gentleman's unbecoming observations were promptly quashed and the holy ordinance was concluded to the crashing strains of mendelssohn a considerably large crowd moved by feelings of sincere appreciation 
for the union of the professions of war and literature waited outside the church to give the bride a cheer as she stepped into our carriage and some of them hustling a little in advance of the policeman on duty and peering up towards the entrance of the sacred edifice were rewarded by seeing the most distinguished personage in the realm smiling his ever cordial smile and shaking hands with a fair celebrity just wedded at this sight a deafening noise broke out from the throats of the honest masses a noise which became almost tumultuous when the distinguished personage walked by the side of the newly married pair down the red-carpeted pavement from the church to the nuptial carriage door and lifted his hat again and again to the huzzas which greeted him but the distinguished personage did not get all the applause by any means delicia got the most of it and many of the crowd pelted her with flowers which they had brought with them for the purpose for she was one of the few beloved women that at rare intervals are born to influence nations so few they are and so precious in their lives and examples that it is little wonder nations make much of them when they find them there were people in the crowd that day who had wept and smiled over delicia's writings and who had through her teaching grown better happier and more humane men and women and there was a certain loving jealousy in these which grudged that she should stoop from her lofty height of fame to marry like any other ordinary woman they would have had her exempt from the common lot and yet they all desired her happiness so in half gladness half regret they cheered her and threw roses and lilies at her for it was the month of june and she with her veil thrown back and the sunshine glinting on her gold hair smiled bewitchingly as she bowed left and right to the clamorous throng of her assembled admirers then with her glorious six feet of husband she stepped into our carriage and drove away to the sound of a final cheer the distinguished personage got into his brougham and departed the brilliantly attired guests dispersed slowly and with much chatting and gaiety in their different directions and all was over and the one man whose earthly lot it was to appear at various afternoon teas stood under the church portico and muttered gloomily to an acquaintance fancy that simple-looking creature being actually the famous delicia vaughan she isn't in the least like an authoress she's only a woman whereat the acquaintance whose intellectual resources were somewhat limited smiled and murmured oh, well when it came to that you know you couldn't expect a woman to be anything else could you the idea was certainly that authoresses should be well a sort of no sex ha 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 plenty of muscles about them but scrappy as to figure and doubtful in complexion with that general air of spectacled wisdom yes ha ha well if it came to that you know it must be owned miss vaughan beg her pardon mrs carleon was not by any means up to the required mark ha <laughs> graceful little woman though very fascinating and as for money whew, beauty carleon has fallen on his feet this time and no mistake ha <laughs> ha good morning with this he and the one man nodded to each other and went in opposite directions 
the verger of the church came out glowered suspiciously at stragglers picked up a few bridal flowers from the red carpet and shut the church gates there had been a wedding he said condescendingly to one or two nursemaids who had just arrived breathlessly on the scene wheeling perambulators in front of them but it was over the company had gone home the distinguished personage had gone home too thus there was nothing to see and nothing to wait for depart disappointed nursemaids the bell that binds two in one that ties intellect to folly purity to sensuality unselfishness to egotism has been taken before the eternal and so far as we can tell the eternal has accepted it there is nothing more to be said or done the sacrifice is completed all this had happened three years ago yet alicia writing peacefully as usual in the quiet seclusion of her study remembered every incident of her wedding as though it were only yesterday happiness had made the time fly on swift wings and her dream of love had as yet lost nothing of its heavenly glamour her marriage had caused no very perceptible change in her fortunes she worked a little harder and more incessantly that was all her husband deserved all the luxuries and enjoyments of life that she could give him so she considered and she was determined he should never have to complain of her lack of energy her fame steadily increased she was at the very head and front of her profession people came from far and near to have the privilege of seeing her and speaking with her if only for a few minutes but popular admiration was nothing to her and she attached no importance whatever to the daily tribute she received from all parts of the world testifying to her genius and the influence her writings had upon the minds of thousands such things passed by her as the merest idle wind of rumour and all her interests were concentrated on her work first for the work's own sake and next that she might be a continual glory and exhaustless gold-mine to her husband certainly carleon had nothing to desire or to complain of in his destiny a crowned king might have envied him unweighted with care no debts no difficulties a perpetual balance at his bankers a luxurious home arranged not only with all the skill that wealth can command but also with the artistic taste that only brains can supply a lovely wife whose brilliant endowments were the talk of two continents and last but not least the complete unfettered enjoyment of his own way and will delicia never played the domestic tyrant over him he was free to do as he liked go where he would and see whom he chose she never catechized him as to the nature of his occupations or amusements and he on his part was wise enough to draw a line between a certain fast set he personally favoured and the kind of people he introduced to her knowing well enough that were he to commit the folly of bringing some shady character within his wife's circle of acquaintance it would be only once that the presence of such a person would be tolerated by her for she had very quick perceptions and though her disposition was gentleness itself she was firmly planted in rectitude and managed to withdraw so quietly and cleverly from any contact with social swindlers and vulgar novariches that they never had the ghost of a chance to gain the smallest footing with her unable to obtain admittance to her house they took refuge in scandal 
and invented lies and slanders concerning her all of which fell flat owing to her frankly open life of domestic peace and contentment sneers and false rumours were inserted about her in the journals she ignored them and quietly lived them down till finally the worst thing any one could find to say of her was that she was idiotically in love with her own husband she's a perfect fool about him exclaimed the tooksies and snooksies angrily everybody knows paul valdis is madly in love with her it's only she who never seems to see it perhaps she does not approve of the french fashion of having a lover as well as a husband suggested a casual caller of the male sex though it is now la mode in england she may not like it besides paul valdes has been madly in love as you call it a great many times the tooksies and snooksies sighed shivered rolled up their eyes and shrugged their shoulders they were old and ugly and yellow of skin but their hearts had a few lively pulsations of evil left in them still and they envied and marvelled at the luck of a woman a literary female too good heavens to think of it who not only had the handsomest man in town for a husband but who could also have the next handsomest paul valdez the great actor for a lover if she but dropped the handkerchief and while society thus talked delicia worked coining money for her husband to spend as he listed she reserved her household expenses and took a moderate share of her earnings for her own dress but all the rest was his he drove tandem in the row with two of the most superb horses ever seen in that fashionable thoroughfare in the early spring mornings he was seen cantering up and down on a magnificent arab which for breed and action was the envy of princes he had his own four-in-hand coach which he drove to Ranelagh, hurlingham and the various race meetings of the year with a party of select people on top the type of select whom delicia never knew or cared to know consisting of actresses betting men swills about town and a sprinkling of titled dames who had frankly thrown over their husbands in order to drink brandy privately and play the female don juan publicly occasionally a candid friend moved by a laudable desire to make mischief between husband and wife would arrive fully armed at all points with gossip and would casually remark to delicia oh by the way i saw your husband at Ranelagh the other day with well some rather odd people to which delicia would reply tranquilly did you i hope he was amusing himself then with a straight half disdainful look of her violet eyes at the intruding meddler she would add i know what you mean of course but it is a man's privilege to entertain himself in his own fashion even with odd people if he likes odd people are always infinitely diverting owing to their never being able to recognize their own abnormal absurdity and i never play spy on my husband i consider a wife who condescends to become a detective as the most contemptible of creatures living whereupon the candid friend vexed and baffled would retire behind an entrenchment of generalities and afterwards 
at afternoons and social gatherings would publicly opine that it was most probable mrs carleon was carrying on a little game of her own as she seemed so indifferent to her husband's going on she was a deep one oh yes very deep she knew a thing or two and perhaps who could tell paul valdez had his own reasons for specifically fixing her with his dark passionate eyes whenever she appeared in her box at the theatre where he was playing the chief character in an english version of ernani it was true enough that alicia was hardly ever seen at the places her husband most frequented but this happened because he was fond of racing and she was not she disliked the senseless selfish and avaricious side of life so glaringly presented at the favourite turf resorts of the swagger set and said so openly it makes me think badly of everybody she declared once to her husband when he had languidly suggesting her turning up at the oaks i begin to wonder what was the use of christ dying on the cross to redeem such greedy foolish folk i don't want to despise my fellow-creatures but i'm obliged to do it when i go to a race so it's better i should stay home and write and try to think of them all as well as i can so she did stay at home very contentedly and when he was absent with a party of his own particular friends dispensing to them the elegant luncheon and champagne which her work had paid for she was either busy with some fresh piece of literary labour or else taking her sweet presence into the houses of the poor and suffering and bringing relief hope and cheerfulness wherever she went and on the morning when the sunshine placed a crown on her head and hurled a javelin of light full in the cold eyes of the marble antinous she was in one of her brightest most radiant moods satisfied with her lot grateful for the blessings which she considered were so numerous and as unconscious as ever that there was anything upside down in the arrangement which had resulted in her being obliged to love honour obey keep and clothe six feet of beautiful man by her own unassisted toil while the said six feet of beautiful man did nothing but enjoy himself the quaint empire clock shaped as a world with the little god of love pointing to the hours numbered on its surface chimed two from its golden bracket on the wall before she laid down her pen for the day then rising she stretched her fair rounded arms above her head and smiled at the daffodils in the vase close by bright flowers which seemed fully conscious of the sunshine in that smile anon she moved into the deep embrasure of her wide lattice window where stretched out at full length lay a huge dog of the st bernard breed winking lazily with one honest brown eye at the sunbeams that danced about him oh spartan you lazy fellow she said putting her small foot on his rough brown body aren't you ashamed of yourself spartan sighed and considered the question for a moment then raised his noble head and kissed the point of his mistress's broidered shoe it's lunch-time spartan continued delicia stooping down to pat him tenderly will master be home to luncheon or not spartan i'm afraid not old boy what do you think about it 
this inquiry roused spartan to an attitude of attention he got up sat on his brown haunches and yawned profoundly then he appeared to meditate conveying into his fine physiognomy an expression of deep calculation that was almost human no spartan went on delicia dropping on one knee and putting her arm around him we mustn't expect it we generally lunch alone and we'll go and get what the gods have provided for us in the living-room at once shall we but spartan suddenly pricked his long ears and rose in all his lion-like majesty erect on his four handsome legs then he gave one deep bark turning his eyes deferentially on his mistress as one who would say excuse me but i hear something which compels my attention delicia her hand on the dog's neck listened intently her breath came and went then she smiled and a lovely light irradiated her face as the velvet portiere of her study door was hastily pushed aside and her husband looking the very incarnation of manly beauty in his becoming riding gear entered abruptly i will how delightful she exclaimed advancing to meet him you hardly ever come home to lunch this is a treat she clung to him and kissed him he held her round the waist a moment gazing at her with the involuntary admiration her grace and intelligence always roused in him and thinking for the hundredth time how curious it was that she should be so entirely different to other women then releasing her he drew off his gloves threw them down and glanced at the papers which strewed her writing-table finished the book he queried with a smile yes all but the last few sentences she replied they require careful thinking out it doesn't do to end with a platitude most books end so he said carelessly but yours are always exception to the rule people are never tired of asking me how you do it one fellow to-day said he was sure i helped you write the strong parts delicia smiled a little and what did you say why of course i said i didn't couldn't write a line to save my life he responded with a laugh but you know what men are they never can bring themselves to believe in the reality of a woman's genius the musing smile still lingered on delicia's face genius is a big thing she said i do not assume to possess it but it is curious to see how very many quite ungifted men announce their own claims to it while indignantly denying all possibility of its endowment to women however one must have patience it will take some time to break men of their old savagery for centuries they treated women as slaves and cattle it may take other centuries before they learn to treat them as their equals carleon looked at her half wonderingly half doubtfully they won't give them full academic honors yet he said which i think is disgracefully unfair and the government won't give them titles of honor in their own right for their services in science art or literature which they ought to have in my opinion and this brings me round to the news which sent me galloping home to-day as soon as i heard it delicia i can give you a title this morning she raised her eyebrows a little are you joking will not a bit of it 
you've heard me speak of my brother guy lord carleon she nodded well when my father died a bankrupt of course guy had what he could get out of the general wreck which was very little together with a title the title was no use to him he having no means to keep it up he went off to africa gold hunting under an assumed name to try and make money out there and and now he's dead of fever i can't pretend to be very sorry for i never saw much of him after we left school and he was my senior by five years anyhow he's gone and so in fact i'm lord carleon he made such a whimsical attempt to appear indifferent to the honour of being a lord for all the time it was evident he was swelling with the importance of it that alicia laughed outright and her violet eyes flashed with fun as she dropped him a demure curtsy my lord allow me to congratulate your lordship she said by my halidame good my lord i am your lordship's very humble servant he looked a trifle vexed don't be nonsensical delicia he urged you know i never expected it i always thought guy would have married if he had and a son had been born to him of course that son would have had the title but he remained a bachelor to the end of his days and so the luck has fallen to me aren't you rather pleased about it it's a nice thing for you at any rate delicia gave him a bright glance of humorous surprise a nice thing for me my dear boy do you really think so do you really and truly imagine i care about a title tacked on to my name not a bit of it it will only attract a few extra snobs round me at parties that's all and to my public i am always talicia bon they won't even give me the benefit of your name will because somehow they prefer the one by which they knew and loved me first a faint suggestion of the beautiful sullenness manner clouded carleon's face of course you swear by your public he said a trifle crossly but whatever you may think of it i'm glad the title has come my way it's a good thing it gives me a status she was silent and stood quietly beside him stroking spartan's head not a thought of the status she herself gave her husband by her world-wide fame crossed her mind and the reproach that might have leaped to the lips of a less loving woman than she was namely that the position she had won by her own brilliant intellect far outweighed any trumpery title of heritage never once occurred to her brain but all the same something in the composed grace of her attitude conveyed the impression of that fact to carleon silently and with subtle force for he was conscious of a sudden sense of smallness and inward shame yet after all she said presently with a playful air it isn't as if you were a brewer you know so many brewers and building contractors become lords nowadays that somehow i always connect the peerage with beer and bricks i suppose it's very wrong but i can't help it and it will now seem odd to me at first to associate you with the two b's you are so different to the usual type he smiled well pleased to see her eyes resting upon him with the tender admiration to which he had become accustomed is lunch ready he asked after a brief pause 
during which he was satisfied that he looked his best and that she was fully aware of it yes let us go down and partake thereof she answered gaily will you tell the servants or shall i tell the servants what he demanded with a slight frown she turned her pretty head over her shoulder laughingly why to call you for the future my lord or my lord which shall it be she looked charmingly provocative his momentary ill-humour passed and he flung an arm around her waist and kissed her whatever you please he said any way you are and you always have been my lady End chapter one part two